Well, praise the Lord. There's no place like home. Amen. Becky and I were in a wonderful church last week, and, and uh, I said, just, just look around. And, and uh, if you're here today and you're under 50 years old, just stand up where you are. If you're under 50 years old, just stand up where you are. Would you look around here at these folks? Huh? Praise the Lord. They, 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 some of y'all lying, aren't you? I, I see it now. I see it. You know, they say that, that younger people just don't like the kind of music we do, and they don't like old-fashioned preaching. And I thought, you know, we've got the exception here. Uh, I, and it's not really. It really, I don't think you care about, well, let me rephrase this. I'm thinking get in trouble. I think you care about the fact that the Holy Spirit is here. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit is here, you can preach Kentucky Fried Chicken and people will get saved. Amen? The Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're in Romans chapter 6. And we're just going to look at, well, we're going to look at several verses. We're just going to read two verses, one and two. <clears throat> I, I've shared this. If you were here Wednesday night, you're going to think, well, we're hearing the same sermon. No, you, you're really not. It just kind of seems that way. And that's because we learn by rote. The more you hear this, the more you, you get it in your heart and soul. But every one of us in this place, I mentioned last Sunday, I mentioned uh, Wednesday night, Every one of us want to live in Romans chapter 8. That's the victory channel. I mean, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Anything too hard for God. Our God's bigger than all things. In Romans 8, we're adopted into the family of God. Romans 8 is nothing can separate us from the love of God. I mean, we want to be there. But the problem is most of us are living in Romans 7. When Paul says the things I ought to be doing, I'm not doing. And the things I ought not to be doing, that's what I find myself doing. Can I get a witness? Amen. You ever feel bad because you're going back to God, begging for repentance of the same thing you did last week or two weeks ago, and you said, Lord, I'm not going to do it? And you end up like Paul at the end of Romans 7, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Now, if you want to live in Romans chapter 8, but you're living in Romans chapter 7, you got to go through Romans chapter 6. Now, that may not make any sense to you, but trust me. If you want to be in 8 and you're living in 7, you got to go through 6. Look at it with me. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. Stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed with the music. Lord, the words of those songs just strike home with us. Lord, we thank you that you died on Calvary for us. We thank you that all we've got to boast and brag about this morning is the precious love of Jesus Christ who has come into this world to seek and to save those who were lost. We're all on equal ground. God, I pray today that folks that don't know you in a personal relationship would, before they leave, they would come to know you 
as their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A woman was asked one time about the fact, had she ever died to sin? And she thought about it for a moment, and she said, I don't think I've ever died to it, but I did feel faint one time. (laughs) And that's kind of the way probably we are. Uh, We're saved by grace. That means there's nothing we can do uh, in order to earn our salvation. D.L. Moody was an evangelist uh, in years gone by, much like uh, Billy Graham. And he heard a man stand up in a testimony, and he, and he said, uh, I've learned three things. And Moody thought, well, let me listen to him and see what they are. He said, number one, I can do nothing to earn salvation. He said, number two, God doesn't require me to do anything. And number three, Jesus has already done it all. Now, if you don't remember anything else, those are three good things to remember. It's wonderful. Don't take 42 years to learn that. You can learn that uh, here in in just 30 minutes if you'll stay awake for the next few moments. Uh, Paul puts this death to lie. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? And Paul says, oh, God forbid. Any Christian who's saved by grace, who continues to live in sin, is a disgrace to grace. Grace is what saves us, but when we do get saved, suddenly we don't want to live in sin anymore. And I'm going to show you here, there are three words this morning. In verse 6, look with me there. Knowing, knowing this, that's word number one you need to remember. Knowing. Word number two is down in verse 11. Likewise, reckon. Look at that word, reckon. We've read it in Romans 8, 18 for our scripture this month. We'll read it again this morning in verse 11. And then look down at verse 13, if you would. Neither yield, that word yield. Those are the three words, knowing, reckon, and yield. If if we get those three words down, knowing, reckon, yield, I'm telling you, we can live in victory. Well, thank God somebody believes that. I'm telling you, if we get knowing, reckon, and yield down, we can live in victory. We can live in Romans chapter 8 and not be in chapter 7. Now, let's look at the first one, knowing. That word know deals with your identification with Jesus Christ. He's the one who gave himself for you. He deals with your identification when we know we're identified with Christ. Now, how are we identified with Christ? He gives us three ways. Number one, Jesus died for us. That's one of the ways that we're identified with Christ. I mean, we're in Jesus. He acted on our behalf. He's our representative. What happened to the Lord happened to us. And when Jesus came to this earth, suffered, bled, and died, we suffered, bled, and died with him because Jesus died for us. And you got to know that. You can't know about that. You can't hope that. You can't read about it and say, somebody told me that. I love when people get on Facebook and they say they say I want to know who they is who is they I mean if you if you if you're gonna make a statement be gutsy enough to put your name by it at least we can call and criticize you I mean it's tough to criticize people you don't know their name and that anonymous uh, you know we don't we got to know verse 6 look at it there 
knowing, he said, this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's the identification. The old man, the old Charles, is crucified with Jesus. Now listen, the scripture goes on. That the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Well, what does that mean? That means when Jesus died, he died for me. He died as my substitute. His death has my name on it. One of my favorite guys to read after is Dr. R.G. Lee. He was pastor at Bellevue Baptist in Memphis for many, many years. I, I met him personally in an elevator over at Shreveport. He was all bruised up. He was 93 years old. And I said, Dr. Lee, what a pleasure just to get to ride up in an elevator. I had his white suit on, Brother Dale. I mean, sharped out. He was black. I said, did, did you take a fall? How, how'd you? He said, oh, I was in downtown Memphis and three thugs uh, mobbed me and I hit them with my cane but they got the best of me and I thought Lord have mercy but Dr. R.G. Lee went on his first trip to the Holy Land and the guides are there you know and if you've been to Israel you know how they one of the guides says is is this anybody has anybody been here to before when they were at the cross and Dr. Lee raised his hand. Well, the guy had already talked to Dr. Lee and said, no, you misunderstood me. I said, has anybody ever been here before? This is your first trip to the Holy Land. He said, oh, no, I was at the cross 2,000 years ago. I've been here before. See, when Jesus went to that cross, you went to that cross with him. You're right there with him. He died for us. That's one of the ways we identify with him. Uh, when a guy dies... Let me try to tie old and new in here. You old folk will remember James McDougall from back at the Whitewater stuff. And he was in the pen and had more charges coming after him. You younger folks will remember Vince Foster, who, uh, quote, killed himself. But, you know, the gun was, you know, there's a lot of charges and everything. But you know what happened with McDougall and with Vince Foster both? When they died, people quit charging them. See, when a man's dead, you don't, you don't bring anything else up. He's dead. He's dead. And so when we died to Jesus, all the charges have already been brought against us. Satan has already leveled all those charges against us. But listen, when we identify with Jesus and die to Jesus, you can't bring up charges against a dead man. He can't defend himself. He's dead. Maybe you've had a cruel master or husband or wife. I'll bring it on down. And they tell you when to go to bed. They lay your clothes out for you. They tell you what to eat, tell you what to wear, tell you when to go to work, where to work, how long to work. But once you die, you're free. Hallelujah. <laughs> I saw a lot of men laughing during that time. <laughs> I'm telling you, better days are coming. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, no, I'm telling you. God love it. We died with Jesus. But look, look, we not only died with Jesus, but the Bible says in verse 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. We were buried with him by baptism and death. That's what baptism up here means. It's an outward appearance of what's happened on the inside. It's not, the, the, listen, if you think that water saves you, I know where it come from. <laughs> they put chemicals in it just so we can drink it. There ain't no saving power in that water. 
The saving power is being baptized in the Holy Ghost before you ever get to that water. And if you've not been saved and, and baptized with Christ in the Holy Spirit, this is nothing but a dunk in the tank. This is not real baptism. So we were dead with Christ. We were buried with Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I delivered unto you that which I also, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So death is a part of identification. And burying is a part of identification. And then thirdly, here's a good part. Somebody's going to get excited. We've been raised with Jesus. I mean, we've come alive with Jesus. Listen, if you're here today without Jesus, you're not going to die. You're already dead. You're already dead. He is, when you come to Jesus, he quickens you, breathes into you. Be careful where you die. Somebody might give you CPR you don't want. But boy, when Jesus gives you that CPR, he quickens you to life. We've been raised with Jesus. Verse 4 says, it goes on to say the last part, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus had a life that the grave couldn't keep. We've got a life the grave can't keep. We're identified with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Augustine, for whom the city of St. Augustine is named, was a sinful young man, very sinful, wild, wicked, had a mother that was praying for him. Her name was Monica. One day, Augustine got saved. He was walking down the street after having met the Lord, and a prostitute saw him. He saw the prostitute first, and, and she was a woman that he had consorted with before. and It was part of that old life. So Augustine just ducked his head and just kind of walked over to the other side of the street. And the prostitute came up to him, said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And he said, yes, but it is not I. I've been changed. And he walked on. That's what Jesus can do for you, folk. We must identify. We must know. It is a fact. You know, a lot of people get facts and all messed up. I get myths. I'll tell you, you know, I heard uh, one time that uh, you only have to do your seatbelts if you're more than five miles away from your house. Can I testify that's not true? I heard all policemen and DPS guys would always give you five miles per hour. Unless you're in Corrigan or Dieball. <laughs> Can I testify that's not true? Hey, Amen. There we are. Hands all over this place. Lord, have mercy. Listen, it's a fact. Knowing that our old man is crucified with him, we're buried with him, and we're raised with him. But now that's not victory yet. That's knowing. Okay. You, it's, it's a step of the ladder. There are three rungs. Number one is knowing. Step number two is that word reckon. Now, in East Texas, we say stuff like, I reckon I'll go on down to the Dairy Queen. That's not the reckoning that he's talking about here. 
this, this is a, it's, it deals with, with, with our appropriation. It's a, it's a bookkeeping term. And you've got to know your identification before you can make the appropriation. And, and the scripture says in verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. Now, I know if you've got another uh, translation, it won't say reckon. It may say present or, or whatever. It's the same word reckon that's in Romans 12, 1, where it says you present your bodies. Same Greek word for both of those there. Uh, it means that you, you, that, that you count on it, not because you feel it, not because you guess about it, not because you desire it or imagine it. You reckon it because it's true. Now, remember, step one was knowing. You got to know death, burial, resurrection. It's all for us. You got to know it. The second thing is you've got to appropriate it. You've got to reckon that the death, burial, and resurrection is for each one of us. All right, are you with me so far? Reckoning. It's not just closing your eyes and pretending to be true. It's acting by faith, acting on what you know to be true, appropriating what you know to be true. Uh, you, you got some money in the bank. You get your bank statement. And I want to tell you something. It really doesn't matter if you feel like you got money in the bank or if you feel like you don't have money in the bank. What that bank statement says is what you got. Now, they could be wrong, but there's probably a good, good chance they're right on target. <laughs> hey, I heard about that woman that woke up <clears throat> that morning and the clock went off 6 o'clock. She said, my soul, I just went to bed. You ever had a night like that? I mean, you just go to bed, and man, all of a sudden, the alarm ringing. She said, it can't be 6 o'clock. It can't be. But her clock said 6 she got up and opened the curtains. The east sun said six. Uh, she turned on the radio. All the radio programs were six. Well, it doesn't matter whether you felt like it was six o'clock or not. It's still six o'clock. Many years ago, my wife and I, she used to be the light sleeper. I mean, I used to be the light sleeper and could go right back. Now she's the light sleeper. We've changed that in life. And uh, uh, I don't know, it's 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. This couple we've been trying to help, he calls me, 2.30, 3 o'clock. Now, when somebody calls a preacher at 2.30, 3 o'clock, pray to God they're not asking directions to Dairy Queen or something. I mean, you know, <laughs> if, if you need me, you call me. But you better be sure you need me, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. And uh, he said, Brother Charles, Brother Charles, I just wanted you to know the good news. God's on his throne. And I thought, no, I said, you idiot. You woke me up at 3 o'clock to tell me something I already knew. And I said, how do you know God's on his throne? Well, we prayed about this, and it's come through. And I said, well, I got some startling news for you. Whether God comes through like you want him to or not, he's still on his throne. Doesn't matter what you feel like. And that, listen, you may not feel like you're saved, but you reckon yourself. You determine, based on a bookkeeping firm, I've got this in my account. I'm going to appropriate it. Because, why do you reckon? Because I know my identification is with Christ. I know my identification. I appropriate. Then let me get to this last thing here, and we'll be through. Number three, the third word there is yield, yielding. And that deals with our emancipation 
or our freedom through Christ who gives us life. Uh, now, he, 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 how does this become real in your heart? Because you see, I, if I'm dead and I've been crucified with Christ and I've been buried with Christ and then I've been risen with Christ, how come that old man won't lay down? How come he keeps popping up every time I turn around? What, why, what does that happen? How, well, it's because you may know and you may appropriate, but you've never yielded. See, remember, it's a three-rung ladder. You've got to know, and then you've got to reckon, and then this third thing is you've got to yield. Now, let me just share some things, just a quick thing. You may not like this, but I want to tell you, every one of us in this room is a slave. We're either a slave to this world, the atomic nature that we have, or we're a slave to Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, you say, well, I don't like that. Well, tough. We say, well, I'm not coming to Jesus. Well, don't. Be a slave to the world. I, I, see me afterward, and I'll tell you where you're going to end up. We're all slaves. So we've got to yield ourselves. The country preacher prayed one time, Lord, help me to cooperate with you so you don't have to operate on me. He can operate. Now, how do you yield? Number one, there has to be a time of dethronement of sin. You got to take sin out of your life. Now, you know, and you have affirmed and appropriated, you reckon it. And now, verse 12 and 13, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Wow. What, what, what does that mean? Well, I want to tell you this. What it means ultimately is the old master has lost control of your life. You've got to yield to sin and get it out of your life. How do you do that? Well, because you know and because you have reckoned, you dethrone sin. You say, I'm throwing it out. Now, Satan's going to come into your life and he said, oh, uh, you don't have to obey the preacher. My goodness, he's just preaching through Romans. It's a bunch of hogwash. You, you, me and you have been friends for years. Huh? I mean, I know how weak you are. I know the power over you, my control. You invited me to come in and do this. We've done a lot in the past, and, and I'm not moving. Hmm. You ever meet somebody like that? I don't care what you say. I'm not doing it. Well, you say, Satan, please be gone. He said, no, I'm not going anywhere. Listen, you've got to take the power of the attorney, and that's in Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, you've got to know, and you've got to reckon, and then you yield. And you tell the devil, I don't have to yield to you. I'm not one of you. You're not mine anymore. So there's got to be a dethronement of sin. But let me tell you what else, too. There must be an enthronement to the Savior. You've got to dethrone sin, but you must enthrone the Savior. If I had a nickel... Every time somebody in my 46 years, seven, I don't know what, of ministry that came and said, Brother Charles, 
I'm resisting the devil. It's just not working. He's beating the daylights out of me. It's just not working. And I said, well, why don't you do what the Scripture says? That's what I'm doing. I read the Scripture. I'm resisting the devil. The Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's not what the Bible says. If you resist the devil, he'll whip the daylights out of you. He's got 6,000 years experience on you. The Bible says submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You don't want to be part of God. You don't want to walk with God. You don't want to pray. You don't want to be spiritual on a walk with God. Don't you expect the devil to leave you alone. He's going to buddy up to you. He's going to talk you in. There's got to be an enthronement of Jesus. Now let me just do a little confessing here. Because I know none of y'all are going to do it. So Lord, I'm confessing for them this morning. When I fall into sin... 99 out of 100 times, I've not talked to the Lord about it. I know I'm getting ready to do something I shouldn't do, so I just kind of duck my head, and I've never once asked God, God, I know. I know you died. I know you were buried. I know I rose with you. God, I'm going to reckon that all of this is true, and I'm going to dethrone sin. I don't ever do that when I fall into sin. I stay as far away from the Lord as I can. And then afterward, Lord God, please forgive me. And, and, and thank God 1 John 1, 9 is in there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and, and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, thank God that's in there. But I'm telling you, we can learn to live in victory in Romans chapter 8. If we know, if we reckon, and then if we yield. The third thing is the enslavement of the saint. Dethrone sin, enthrone Jesus, and then enslave ourselves. Uh, in verse 17 and 18, same chapter, Romans 6. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Hmm. And that word servant is a Greek word that means bond slave. You are the bond slave of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin. You became the slaves of righteousness. <laughs> the dethronement of sin, the enthronement of the Savior, the enslavement of the saint. You say, preacher, I don't want to be a slave. Everybody's a slave. What do you get when you enslave yourself to the Lord? <laughs> well, look at verse 18. Then made free from sin. Sin doesn't have any more dominion over you. When you're enslaved to the Lord and you become a, a slave to righteousness, sin doesn't have any dominion over you anymore. You know, a scalpel in the hand of a surgeon is really only as good as the surgeon is. I mean, I can take a scalpel and tell you I'm going to operate on you. Mm -mm. You're not in your right mind if you do that. But a surgeon with a scalpel can do a tremendous job. I, I wrote this down. You're always supposed to, when you do an illustration, say it by memory. But <clears throat> this, is, this is one I didn't want to leave a word in. 
I didn't want to leave a word out, so I, I, I wrote it down. It's a testimony, and we're through. When as a teenager, this young man said, I was drafted into the Marines during the Korean War. He said, I came under the control of a particularly regimental, one-sided, loudmouth, egotistical sergeant major. Can I get a witness? Anybody know that? <laughs> Who strode around the barracks leaving a train of tough men shaking in their boots. He said, I didn't realize how dominant this man had become in my life until one day I was released from the Marines. Clutching my papers in one hand, I was basking in my newfound freedom. He said, to the extent of <laughs> putting my other hand in my pocket. And I kind of slouched a little bit. And I even began to whistle on the way. He said, I was doing sins so terrible that if I'd have been observed by the sergeant major when I was serving in the Marines, they'd have landed me in all kinds of trouble. Then I saw him striding before me, that sergeant major. On impulse, I sprang to the posture of a, a Marine until I realized I died to him. He and I no longer had a relationship. He was not dead, neither was I dead, but as far as his domination of my life was concerned, it's a matter of history. So I did some reckoning. I decided not to yield to this tyranny. I demonstrated by refusing to yield my arms and my feet to marching as if on parade and my back to ramrod stiffness. Instead, I submitted my hands, my feet, and my back to my newfound freedom as a former Marine. And he couldn't do a thing about it. Wow. <laughs> you were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. You were dead, but now you live. You were a slave of sin and Satan, but you've been set free to be a servant of Jesus Christ. You've got to know those three words. You've got to know, I died. I was buried. I resurrected. Then you've got to reckon it. You've got to appropriate it through Jesus that I've been dead, I've been buried, I've been resurrected. I'm going to reckon that. You say, well, I'm still alive. The old man's still alive. True, but he don't have any, any, any rule over me now. He's gone. And then thirdly, you got to yield yourself to Jesus. I want to tell you right now, if you'll know and you'll reckon and you'll yield, I don't care what condition you came in here this morning. You came in here this morning lost. You said, man, I... You just, you just don't know. You don't know, preacher. You don't know. I don't need to know. If you know, I'm telling you, you can come to Christ and he'll change you. If you reckon it, maybe you're here today and you got the same sin, the same habit. And we're all talking about, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I just, I can't, you know, I say I'm not going to drink anymore, but I just continue to drink. Well, let me tell you, that's because you've not known, reckoned, and yielded. 
You say, preacher, it's not that. It's not, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm just telling you it's doable. It just depends on how bad you want to live in victory or not. Maybe you're here and you say, well, my anger, man, I just get. Listen, I know I'm dead in Christ. I'm buried. I'm resurrected. I'm reckoning that to be true. And I'm yielding myself to Jesus. You know what's funny? I've done a lot of funerals over these years. And I have never had anybody sit up in that casket and say, I don't like the way you said that. You know, you could have been a little nicer. Nobody's ever, you know why? Because they're dead. When you're dead, you don't have those rights. Quit worrying about your rights. Thank God for the privileges and the promises of God. If we know, reckon, and yield. Father, would you just speak today in a, Lord, I pray it would be such a loud voice that, that men would just say it was audible. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, today's my day of salvation. I've got to be saved today. There are people in this auditorium that need that today, God. Would you let your spirit have control of this service? There are others here that, Lord, in, in, in bondage to different things. Lord, may today, and I know they know it. They've been in church all their life. They know the death, burial, and resurrection. And, Lord, they may even have appropriated it saying, I'm going to reckon it to be true. But, oh, God made a day. They say, I'm going to yield. I'm giving everything over to Jesus. I'm letting him have control of my life. I'm going to live by his terms. Lord, would you have your way in this invitation? Let your spirit move. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us in music. You come right now. Christian, lead the way.